0: Let's pray. Father God, take these words of mine, use them to reveal yourself more clearly to us. Draw us deeper into relationship with you. Amen. It was the summer of 1999. I was so excited as I stood outside a cinema in Nottingham. I had been waiting for this moment for a long time. 16 years, in fact. Over half my life at that point. And finally, the moment had arrived. A new Star Wars film. The Phantom Menace. I'd only been 12 when Return of the Jedi the last one had been released. Way back in my childhood I remember somebody telling me that we had only seen part of the saga. They were going to be released in a similar arrangement to an ancient Greek epic. The original trilogy was the middle chapters 4, 5 and 6. And, they, and then they would go back to the beginning and they would tell us the first three chapters, how we got to where we picked up the story, and then they would finish with the climactic three chapters. But it seemed we'd got to the end of that first trilogy and they'd quietly dropped the idea. Either that or my friend was making it up. But whatever. Now it was happening. Episode one. And oh, it looked quite promising. They had a new body, Darth Maul, with a double-edged lightsaber. One of the promotion shots of the, for early on was of a young lad, Anakin Skywalker, in a barren desert wasteland. And as the shadow cast, as the sun casts a long shadow over him, the shadow gave the impression of the cloaked, helmeted figure of Darth Vader. That this child was destined to become. I was way more excited than a 28-year-old man should be. It was always going to be a big ask for Phantom Menace to live up to my expectations. But boy, this was a massive disappointment. That new body, Darth Maul? He was barely in it before they killed him off. There was another character who spent three times as much time on the screen, and I know because I've Googled it. And he was the absolutely awful Jar Jar Binks. I'd waited so long for this. I had such high hopes and expectations. But it simply didn't live up to. Of course, it doesn't always work out that way, does it? Let's be honest. Back in 2005, when London was awarded the Olympics, none of us thought they were going to make a great job of it. Oh, maybe it's just British pessimism, but we thought it was going to be a fiasco. The whole thing, the only thing that would fall over more quickly than our transport system would be our athletes. And they'd probably be competing on a building site. Remember, this is 2005. The new Wembley was already two years behind schedule and wasn't even close to being finished. And that was just one stadium, not a whole Olympic complex. Survey after survey showed that lots of us didn't even want the Games in the first place. Then the opening ceremony happened. And we all watched miles Wild, and when the medals started coming they simply didn't stop and then we had that super Saturday Jess Ennis, Greg Rutherford Mo Farah all winning gold in the space of an hour and to our absolute astonishment by all measures London did a great job we'd started out thinking we were going to make a right hash of it our expectations were really low But by the end of the game, we were feeling sorry for Rio for having to follow us. We were thinking, maybe the Olympics should just leave it to us to deal with. We'd do it best. Ever waited for something, and then when it finally came, it didn't turn out to be as you expected? Maybe it was something you'd looked forward to for a long time, and it was disappointing. Maybe it was something you weren't looking forward to, perhaps even dreaded and it turned out nowhere near as bad as you thought. I once went to a heavy metal concert, just to keep the girl I was dating at the time company. I expected it to be really boring, but I had a fab time. Over this Advent season, we have been reflecting on the theme of waiting. We have remembered how, down through the generations of the Old Testament, people were waiting for God to send a saviour into the world. And each week, as we light these candles, we remember how, although they weren't to know it at the time, the fulfilment of that promise drew closer and closer. And within the next couple of weeks, we'll have lit that white candle in the middle. And we remember that the promise was kept that God did send Jesus into the world. But we've also thought about how we too are a people in waiting. God sending Jesus into the world wasn't like a cosmic click of the fingers that put everything right in an instant. The Bible hope is that God has a promise for the world, a hope for the world, and it's described in lots of different ways. The renewal of all things, the restoration of all things, the reconciliation of all things. But we're a people in waiting, living between promise and fulfilment. But there's another dimension to this waiting, perhaps more immediate. We may be waiting for God to come to us in a particular situation. Perhaps you can think back to a time when you have been blessed with answered prayer, something you longed for and prayed for came to pass. That healing did come. That troubled situation was resolved. But it's not always the case. There's the other side of waiting. When we pray for healing and it doesn't come. When we pray for help and finding work and still the job offers don't come in when that family situation gets worse rather than better. Or you may have had circumstances when something seemed like a real answer to prayer but it didn't live up to expectations and you felt like it was even mocking you. At this Advent season we're reminded that we're a people in waiting. And we might be waiting for something particular at this time. And we can begin to live maybe with a sense of disappointment. We can know disappointment in any relationship. And we can even feel disappointed with God. We can find ourselves thinking, has he forgotten us? Does he not care? Is he not hearing our prayers? Even the best can have that sense of disappointment. In one of this morning's passages, we read of a time when the very best did feel that sense of disappointment. Every year around this time of year, our attention is turned to John the Baptist, the one who prepared the way for Jesus. John had appeared on the scene shortly before Jesus and he had caused quite a stir. So far as Israel had been concerned, God had been silent for 400 years. And then John showed up, announcing that God was about to break into our world and that people should get ready. Such was his impact that some thought he might be the one whom God had promised himself. But he was clear he wasn't. He was just clearing the way, waking people up to prepare for his coming. And then one day Jesus came to him for baptism. John recognised Jesus and who he was. John was reluctant to baptise Jesus, but Jesus insisted. So John did it. And the Bible tells us that at that point the heavens were opened and the Spirit descended on Jesus and a voice from heaven declared, You're my Son, whom I love. With you I'm well pleased. The Gospel of a different John says and at that point it was confirmed to John the Baptist that Jesus was the one he'd been looking for. But then John found himself in prison. He criticised the wrong man, Herod, for stealing his brother's wife. And that was never going to end well. And he was thrown into prison. Maybe John thought that that would be the moment to stir Jesus into action. And sure, in most of our Gospels, Jesus' ministry begins at precisely that point. And it's clear that Jesus is doing great things. People are being healed. Demons cast out. His teaching is wowing the crowds and challenging the hypocrisy of the leaders. But things weren't turning out as John had expected. The Romans were still in power. Yea, he might be making the religious leaders look a bit foolish and hypocritical, but corrupt priests and teachers were still in charge of the temple life. John had painted a vivid picture of an axe at the root of the tree and chaff being burnt with unquenchable fire. didn't seem to be any sign of any of that. And John seemed confused, disappointed even. Had he got it wrong about Jesus? I mean, he had given himself wholeheartedly to preparing the way for this Jesus. He had been prepared to risk everything for God's kingdom. Yet look where it got him. So he sends a message to Jesus. Are you the one we're waiting for? What should we expect? someone else. Maybe we can sympathise with John a bit here, because into every life some rain must fall. As Jesus himself says, that rain falls on the good and the bad alike. Trusting in God doesn't give us a free pass from the troubles of life. And there are times when the road takes us through deep, dark valleys. The pain and the sickness get worse, not better. That relationship isn't mended. Your attempts at reconciliation are ignored or even thrown back in your face. You're treated unfairly and those who do it neither seem to be affected or care. In fact, nobody cares. And sometimes being true to what you are called to and believe in can make things harder rather than easier. And anyone who takes faith or prayer seriously will sooner or later come up against the struggle, the mystery, the disappointment of unanswered prayer. And perhaps this time of year can be particularly hard when it feels like everything is geared towards being upbeat and happy and celebrating. And it's in such stark contrast to where you find yourself and how you're feeling. Maybe it's something you've wrestled with for a long time. And the changing of the year can just be another reminder of how long you have been waiting for an answer to that prayer. If you look back to New Year's Eve last year, I don't know what hopes you had for 2020, but I have a sneaky suspicion that quite a lot of them didn't happen. But for some it's much more serious than that. The changing of the year just marks another elongation of the season of waiting. I touched on this one of our reflections earlier in the week when I spoke of creation groaning and us groaning alongside it. And when that happens we can start looking for reasons and we can start wondering, was it something I did wrong? Have I let God down? And perhaps we feel disappointment with God. That can be a, as big a question regardless of the, how great the faith you or others thought you had. I mean, in our reading this morning, Jesus himself said it. So far as Jesus was concerned, there hadn't been anyone greater than John the Baptist. And even he felt it. So we might too. But if that is where we find ourselves, there is encouragement in this passage too. For when John brings that questioning and disappointment honestly to Jesus, he's not condemned for doing so. When John's disciples bring the question to Jesus, he doesn't actually give them a straight answer. Instead, he tells them, Go back and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Then he adds one more line Blessed is the one who does not fall away on account of. And Jesus knows that John will pick up on what we might think of as a bit of a coded message. Jesus is quoting from a prophecy which John would have held quite dearly from Isaiah chapter 35. Strengthen the weak hands. Steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance. With divine retribution he will come to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened. Then the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongues shout for joy. John had a picture of how things were going to work out. Vengeance and retribution loomed large in it. But John was so focused on where he wanted to get to he was missing the journey it didn't happen quickly enough for john and what was distracting and that was distracting him from what was actually happening in one sense john is looking for something quite big and dramatic and as a result he's despising the smaller things which jesus is already up to but at the same time jesus is gently telling john If anything, it's not that this vision's too big. It's just not big enough. Jesus says, blessed is the one who doesn't give up on account of me. Jesus said, this might not look as you expected, John. But don't give up on me. Don't lose heart. Stick with me. I will be true to all that's promised. The work of God, as again I talked about this week, might be slow. But what he longs for is often so much greater than we think God ought to have in mind. God is big enough to handle our honesty. In fact, the one thing God can't work with us in us is when we're not open and honest with him. God would rather you shouted at him than shut him out. Because when you're shouting, (laughs) at least you're talking. God can handle our questions if we are willing to listen and wait for the answers. God won't turn us away for raising the honest question. But bear in mind, as with John, the answer might not come as we expect. We might be asked to look for little signs or blessings to remind us that we are not forgotten. James uses the image of seeds being planted in the ground. He says, be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm for the Lord's coming is near. We can bring our God, our fears, doubts, disappointments. And he will not turn us away. He knows they're there and loves us all the same. So as we wait, may we invite God to meet us in that waiting. May he help us to look out for seeds of hope. Maybe it's times when we look back on when God has proved faithful and has answered prayer. And maybe those can give us hope that he can and will do it again. Or maybe it is that little chink of light in the darkness of whatever we're facing. And it might seem ridiculously small. But do not despise the smaller blessings on the journey to seeing prayer answered. Don't give up on it. Keep doing and being what he has called you to be. Be faithful. The seeds of hope might be in the ground at this time, just as they are in my garden at the moment. We may be in a season of waiting, and the flowering and the budding, and the green shoots might be a way off. But look out for signs of growth. Notice them. Give thanks for them when they appear. For they help you to remember that you are not forgotten. God is at work. In about 12 days, we will light our white middle candle. And remember that God has kept his promise before. He is God with us. God in our side. Trust him. There will come a time when God completes what he started. And on that day, all our disappointment will be transformed. We may be a people waiting, but the spirit within us can whisper words of hope and can lead us into the hope-filled Expectation of all that God has prepared. Grace and peace to you.